0: Even though the scripture is going to be on the overhead, I hope that you will turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. I want to share just a couple of um, thoughts with you before we have prayer and get into the message. First of all, I do ask that you would remember me in prayer, not only um, as I prepare the sermons out of John 15, but, but every week that you would remember me in prayer. Um, I really mean this. It is not my desire to come to this time and place and have words from me. These words that I share with you need to come from the Lord and be led by the Holy Spirit and come from the Word of God. So often I I, I feel that uh, people think that sermons are kind of like spiritual spankings that you get every every Sunday morning and the preacher makes you feel bad for your sin, you promise that you won't do them again. And the next week when we leave the church, we're basically in the same boat. And I'm saying that again, not out of sarcasm, but are we coming and being fed the word of God or are our spiritual bodies growing? Are we hearing what the spirit of God is trying to say to us? And so I pray that God would speak through me to you and also speak to myself. And and folks, these words that we're getting ready to read out of John 15, are so very important. Because God wants you and I to bear fruit for his kingdom. And there's different kinds of fruits, and hopefully we're going to talk about those a little bit, but God wants us to be productive in his kingdom's work. And folks, the key is found in this verse, and I'm going to say this again in just a few minutes, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. And that is about a living relationship with Christ. And with his presence and his spirit filling us, not to be religious nuts or fanatics, but to be Christ-like individuals who serve him on a day-to-day basis. Can you tell I'm excited about these words of Jesus? And I feel that the Lord's got a lot to say to all of us that are here today. So pray with me that God would be honored and that God would be allowed to speak to my heart and to your heart also. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that we can come together as free people, Lord, worshiping and serving the living God. Lord, we pray that there would be an outbreak of revival in our world as Christians and as churches turn completely and totally back to you and as Christ is allowed to abide in us. Father, we need to abide in you. We need not to have just a spiritual experience on Sunday morning, but, Lord, we need to be committed to and serving you on a day-to-day basis, filled with your spirit, empowered with your spirit, sharing the story about your son that he came to this earth, that he lived and died and was buried and rose again on the third day, and one day he's coming back. God, help us to be faithful till that time. And Lord, we speak not only as individuals, but we ask, Lord, as a church family that we would be found faithful. Father, help us again to see that the power comes from within us as Christ dwells in us and abides in us. It is not our strength, but his that gives us, Lord, the ability to bear fruit. So, Father, I just pray for an outpouring of your spirit today as we study the words of your Son. And, Lord, help us that we will surrender and submit ourselves to be fruit bearers in the kingdom of God. Bless, Lord, every heart and every person that is here. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of months ago, we began a series of sermons about how God the Father and Jesus desire to work, number one, For us, What the Lord has done for us and we studied out of Romans chapter 8 for a number of weeks And today in the coming weeks we want to talk about what God the Father and Jesus desire to do in us Folks you and I have been saved for a purpose God has a plan for every single one of us God has a plan for this church that I hope and pray he's been implementing for almost 80 years now But, folks, you and I need to hear what God, the Father, and Jesus want to do in us, in me, in you. So listen as we read again these words out of John 15, verses 1 through 11. And once again today, before we get into the message, I'd like to make some comments and just point out some very simple truths that Jesus presents in these words, okay? John 15, beginning with verse 1, I am the true vine. And please notice again in verse 5 where Jesus says, I am the vine. Twice Jesus says, I am the vine. And listen to what he says in the latter part of verse 1. And my father is the vine dresser. The New International Version uses the word gardener. And I forgot to look up and see what the King James says. But folks, look. In verse 1, Jesus is saying, this is what I want to do. And this is what the father wants to do in your life. Jesus says in verse 2, every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Folks, just as we would go out and cut out the dead spots or the weak spots in a fruit tree that we have, the Lord is going to come into our hearts as Christians, and he's going to prune out those things that are keeping us from serving him completely and fully if we're submissive to him. So don't be upset when trials and tribulations come your way because the Lord might be preparing you and me for greater fruit bearing. Verse 3, you are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. And again, the key word and verse is found in verse 4, abide in me and I in you. I have not yet counted, I'm going to do this for next Sunday, counted the times that Jesus uses the word abide or dwell in this passage of Scripture. But folks, here's the key. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And again, Jesus lays out very simply this principle. It's found in verse 4 and 5. So he says it twice that unless we abide in him, we cannot produce fruit. Verse 5 I am the vine, you. And folks, we could put our name in here Herbert whatever your name is, we are the branches. All followers of Christ are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And, folks, so often our lives are not bearing fruit because we are not joined to Jesus Christ. We're not fully submitted to him. He is not abiding in us. And again, I'm just sharing, this is what Jesus is laying out so very simply. And then beginning in verse 6, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 10, Jesus starts his statement with the word, if. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will And it shall be done for you. And notice that there's going to be a succession of things that Jesus says will happen in our lives as we abide in him. And one of the things he mentions here is answered prayers. Verse 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And again, twice in verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your life may be miserable, unfulfilled, frustrated, depressed, and having no fun whatsoever because you're a Christian. And that is not what it says. Amen? But sometimes that's the way we live as Christians, isn't it? I can't do that. I can't act like everybody else. I can't go out on Saturday night and party because I got to go to Sunday school and church tomorrow. Listen to what this verse says. God's not going to cheat us out of anything. Matter of fact, we cheat ourselves when we don't abide in the vine. Now, we say amen to that, all right? Listen to what he says. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be where? In you. And that your joy may be what? Full. We ought to be the most happy, celebrating, rejoicing, praising, thankful people that live on this planet because we are part of the vine, and that vine is Jesus Christ, and he is abiding in us. And here's some other scripture that I want to ask you to just mark in your Bibles and meditate upon in the coming weeks that I think relate to this concept of abiding in Christ John 14 16 and 17 Jesus in John 14 not only tells about the place that he has prepared for us in heaven but he is preparing these disciples for his departure he says in verse 16 and I will pray the father and he will give you another counselor this is the Holy Spirit to be with you forever and folks now listen to this Jesus has been with his disciples now almost three years. After his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, these disciples would not be alone because God sends who? The counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would be with the disciples, with the early church, with you and me, until when? Until Jesus comes back again. He has sent his spirit. And listen to this, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. And read these last two phrases with me, for he dwells with you and will be where? In you. Folks, this is a promise of Jesus himself. This is not some wrangling of a preacher. This is the words of the very son of God. And just as Jesus had come and dwelt in those disciples midst and coming from heaven, coming to this earth, now Jesus is saying after his departure, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell with them and be in them. But folks, again, it's all about submission. It is about allowing God the freedom to dwell with us and in us. And so there's a couple more companion verses that I want to share with you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And again, folks, I ask you to ponder and meditate on this verse. Listen to what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, folks, when you crucified someone, what did you do? You put them to death. Paul is not talking about physically and literally being crucified on a cross like our Savior was, but he is saying that the old man that he was and the old ways that he lived before he trusted Christ have been what? Put to death. Now let me tell you why. Listen to this next phrase. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Folks, where does Paul get this idea from? I believe John fifteen four, Abide in me and I in you. And Paul says, In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And listen in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Paul is going to list nine of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, there are nine here, but they're not all the results of abiding in Christ. But, folks, think about these nine things, and we might say, oh, that's nothing. I can live that way. You tried. all right? When you leave these doors, you try and put these nine things into practice and see what happens. Love. Anybody pushed your wrong button lately? Today? Yesterday? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I don't like that word, y'all. We tell God, give me patience, and I want it right now. And God, that's not the way he operates. But the Spirit of God gives us patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And listen to verse 24. I used to read these two verses and leave verse 24 off. But listen to verse 24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified there's that word again have crucified the flesh and the flesh here again is symbolic of our sinful nature that always wants to rebel against god you know all of us as christians act like two and three year olds sometimes. and i'm not trying to we've got a almost a three-year-old granddaughter and i know this to be a truth whatever the people in authority say you push against it and say no So often as Christians, Christ says, this is what I want to do in your life. This is what I want to do in your church. And we resist him and push against him. Paul says that because we belong to Jesus Christ, we must crucify the flesh with his passions and desires. And he is not just talking about immorality. He is talking about the desire to be in control. So, folks, listen to the picture that Paul is painting in Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 5.24. Paul says that we die to self in order that Christ may live in us and control us. Think about that one more time. We die to self in order that Christ may live in us and control us. And think back on the words of Jesus in Mark eight thirty-four. and these are not going to be on your screen, but just think about this. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, remember, again, the cross was an instrument of death. It was not a tap on the hand. It was not probation. It was not community service, but it was being put to death. Paul says that he found that when he was crucified with Christ, that's when Christ began to live in him. So, folks, with all that said, let's get back into John chapter 15, beginning verse 1. and let me point out the background of this passage of Scripture. In the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, John concentrates on Jesus' instructions to his disciples the night of his arrest. Now, folks, I think that this is very important that we hear these words about abiding in Christ in this context. Within hours, jesus is going to be put to death some bible scholars think that jesus might have said these words during or after what we call the lord's supper the passover meal and folks these words are spoken again hours before he is to die Now, again just think about this these are the beginnings of frightful times for Jesus' disciples Jesus is soon to be taken away after being betrayed by Judas. The disciples are going to run for their lives. Peter is going to deny the Lord. Jesus will be tried before the religious leaders. He'll be brought before Pilate. He'll be rejected by the people. He'll be hung on a cross for six hours. He will literally die on that cross. Then he will be buried. And, folks, does it not seem strange that a man that knows all of this is going to happen to him is telling these 12 men, abide in me and I in you? This is not sarcasm, folks. This is trying to get us to understand the point right here. If someone told you and I to attach ourselves to a dead corpse, if someone said to us that we could gain strength and life from the dead, how would we respond and we would say no way no way why is jesus telling these disciples to abide in him if he's getting ready to die if he's going to be placed in a grave if he's going to be taken away y'all excuse me just a minute let me water my throat so i can preach another 30 minutes all right, joking let me stop right here and point something out we've talked about this before In the Gospel of John, there are seven I am sayings of Jesus. And please notice these on the screen, okay? John 15, verse 1 and verse 5, where Jesus says, I am divine. This is the seventh and last of the I am sayings of Christ in the Gospel of John. Let me point out why these are important, okay? In chapter 6, verse 35... After Jesus has been speaking to multitudes and he has fed thousands with five loaves and two fish, which was a tremendous miracle, after that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, verse 12, after speaking to the woman taken in adultery and to the self righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes, Jesus says, I am. The light of the world in chapter 10 verses 7 and 9 jesus teaching the multitudes who had observed his miracles said i am the door of the sheep in chapter 10 verses 11 and 14 jesus says i am the good shepherd In chapter 11, verse 25, as Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha to console them after the death of Lazarus, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life On the night of the Passover, as Jesus is talking with his disciples in chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then here in chapter 15, verses 1 and 5, he says to these disciples, I am the true vine. I am the vine. Folks, are Jesus' words just coincidental, just general conversation, just religious talk, or did the Spirit of God lead the Apostle John to record these sayings? Why are these words so important? Well, listen to John chapter 10, verse 30. Listen to this. I and the Father are one. Folks, in saying these words, Jesus is identifying himself as the I am. And in saying that he is the I am, he is identifying himself with the Father who as a creator God revealed himself to Moses and to the nation of Israel as I am who I am. Look at this verse, Exodus 3, 14. Let me again quickly remind you of the background of this. The people of Israel have been in, in slavery to the Egyptian people for over 425 years. Moses is out in the wilderness tending the fo- flock of his father in law, Jethro. He's minding his own business and he comes across a burning bush and he stops to see what is consuming this verse, this bush, without it burning up. And God begins to speak to Moses. Wouldn't you have loved to be there? God tells Moses, I've heard the groaning. I've heard the cries. I've heard the prayers of my people, and I've come to deliver them. And the way that I'm going to do it, Moses, you're going to lead them out of slavery. You're going to be my spokesman, my representative. Moses begins immediately to make excuses, doesn't he? And one of the excuses that he makes is, Lord, when I go to those people, they're going to say, who has sent me? And this is God's response. Listen to this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Folks, it's beautiful that in the Hebrew language, the concept I am who I am is actually saying God's a bunch of verbs. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? But a verb is an action word, correct? How could you describe the almighty creator God? God is just saying, you tell the people that the acting God who has acted throughout history is the one who is sending you to lead my people out of Egypt. Folks, you know what I believe all this boils down to? When Jesus says, I am He is saying, I am God, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God who created Adam and Eve, the same God who promised the Redeemer to come because of the sins of mankind, the same God who delivered the people of Egypt uh, from Egypt, the same God who, who parted the Red Sea, and on and on, all the action of God in the Old Testament. This is who Jesus is. Folks, it is no accident that Jesus referred to himself as I am. And we must understand what Jesus is saying here. Folks, listen. Jesus is the one who will give life after death. You remember? We got started on this because Jesus is getting ready to die, and he says, abide in me and I in you. Folks, listen. After Jesus' death, he would continue to be the source of strength and bearing fruit for everyone who followed him. For these early disciples, for the early church, for the Christians of every generation, Jesus, if we bear fruit, is the source of strength for bearing fruit. It's not our knowledge, our intellect, our personal gifts, our religious acts. It is the Spirit of God living in us. And, folks, the whole point is because Jesus is alive and living in all who have been born again, he can and will live in us and bear fruit for us, through us. God's work in you and I is done by a risen, reigning Savior. And sometimes, so often, as Christians, we live and act and feel as if we're spiritually dead, don't we? I mean, let's be honest, and and I've been guilty of this. I'm not criticizing you. I'm speaking about myself. Sometimes, as Christians, we just absolutely act like we're dead, don't we? We're so afraid that somebody might be offended either by our praising the Lord or thanking him or simply acknowledging who he is. But let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ lives and reigns in heaven, he can live and reign in our heart also. And a part of his living and reigning in our heart is to bear spiritual fruit for the kingdom of God. And you and I need to examine our hearts, and I include myself in this. Are we bearing spiritual fruit? And, folks, if we're not bearing spiritual fruit, guess what? Then that means we're not abiding in Christ and Christ not abiding in us. But let me tell you the good news, folks. There's an apple tree in our yard. I can, honest to goodness, this is a true story, and I'll bring you one of the branches if you want one of the ones that's dead. It is, I hadn't cut it out yet. I mean, it died several years ago. That That fruit tree, I planted it in 1987. That's the year that you built that parsonage. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use the word stupid. Young people, don't repeat that word when you get home, okay? All right, because you'll say, well, where'd you learn that from? You'll say, the preacher, all right? (laughs) Please don't do that. I did a stupid thing. I bought three fruit trees, I could have planted more. I said, no, I'm not going to plant these trees and let the next preacher eat the fruit off of them. I'm probably not going to be here but another year or two. That's 27 years ago that those trees were planted. Can you imagine the harvest of fruit that I would be gathering every year if I would have made the decision and committed myself that regardless of who ate the fruit, I would plant the trees? Folks, aren't we like that in our spiritual life as Christians? Don't we say, God, later. Just give me a little bit more time, God. I ain't quite ready to be surrendered completely and totally to you. I'm not ready to abide in Christ and he and me. And folks, some of us haven't got to first base yet because the Lord's been knocking on the door of our heart and he's been saying, I love you. I know... Brian Clayton will not mind me sharing this with you, but this morning at the 830 service, a man came down and stood at this altar, and he was weeping, and his tears were literally dropping on the sleeve of my shirt as he shared, I've put Christ aside for many years, but now I want him in my heart. I want him abiding in me. Folks, I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth this morning don't keep putting off letting christ be in control of your life if you've never trusted christ as your savior and you probably heard the gospel so many many times from this pulpit from the sunday school classroom some of you might have been raised in this church and i'm not picking on you i'm just trying to lay it out folks the way it is when will you make that decision i hope and pray you live many many years but folks you're not hurting god you're hurting yourself Jesus wants you to have life and have it at its fullest. Don't stop resisting him. Let him come in and give you that abundant life. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, God's got something for us to do. I truly believe that although this church is going to turn 80 years old next year, God's not finished with us yet. He's not finished with us today. Do you realize that? He has got work for us beyond the walls of this church. But we've got to come in a submissive way and say, Lord, I've been trying to do it my way. I've been trying to do it with my power. You know how much fruit we bear that way? Nada. We've got to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to tell you, to the rest of the world, it sounds so foolish, doesn't it? Believing in a man that lived over 2,000 or around 2,000 years ago that they put to death could abide in us but let me tell you something when through faith you surrendered to jesus christ paul says it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me praise his name does he live in you let's pray together father thank you for your son thank you for these words in john 15 Lord Jesus, we want you to abide in us as individuals. We want you to abide in this church. Father, help us to submit ourselves to you in such a way that we are crucified with your son, that it's no longer we who live, but you who live in us. And Father... I pray that no one would ever think that I'm standing in this pulpit coercing them to make a decision for Christ. Lord, only your spirit can do that. And I would be sinning against the people sitting in this congregation that if I stepped in the way of the spirit of God. And Lord, today I pray not what I've said, but what Jesus has said and what the spirit of God is desiring to do in hearts, that that might be done. And if there are those here that have been putting off that decision to trust you as their Savior, Lord, I pray today that they get it straight. I pray today that they would, in their hearts and minds, humbly submit themselves to you and be born into the kingdom of God. Father, have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number number 100.